My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. Hey there. If you're hearing this, it means that you're listening to the series of conversations that make up the 100th to the 110th episodes of the Wonder Dome. If you're new to the Dome, welcome. If you've been here for the previous 99 conversations, thank you. Arriving at 100 episodes is a big deal for me. I've spent the past two years showing up as fully as I can for each one of these conversations. In the process, I've become a deeper listener and a more skillful interviewer. And I've been repeatedly humbled and inspired by the amazing humans I've had the privilege to meet here in the Dome. Over the next two months to celebrate this milestone, I'm gifting you, my listeners, with all sorts of cool artifacts that represent the best of the Wonder Dome. Books, music, art, coaching sessions, guided meditations and developmental practices, one-of-a-kind experiences, even the chance to join me for a special live Wonder Dome gathering where we can meet in real time and have a shared experience in the Dome. You can learn more about these gifts by clicking on the custom link in the show notes of your podcast app or heading over to mindfulcreative.coach backslash the Wonder Dome. I'm also hosting a special series of conversations that amplify the energy of the Wonder Dome. For episode 100, my very first guest, Todd Marston, who also composed the theme song for the Wonder Dome, interviews me to help me unpack what I've learned from creating the Dome. Then in episodes 101 to 110, I've brought back some of my favorite guests in new constellations, weaving together a series of panel discussions between so many of the amazing folks that I've spoken to one-on-one. These have been really fun for me, and I'm excited for you to hear them. Finally, I want to say thank you for being here with me. I often remind my guests that, in a way, every person who listens to these recordings is in the room with us when we talk. Getting in touch with your presence as I talk with my guests deepens the quality and the energy of the conversations in amazing ways. Which is why I'm asking for your help so that the Wonder Dome can touch even more people. We've already had over 10,000 listeners. My sense is that people are hungry for the kind of intimacy, discovery, growth, leadership, and healing that the Dome represents. I need your help to reach the next 10,000 folks by sharing this with your friends and leaving an honest, positive review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you can. Every four-plus star rating and written review calls in more listeners kind of like a snowball accumulating more layers as it rolls downhill. So please, 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 I welcome you to publicly honor and acknowledge how the Wonder Dome has impacted you. And if you'd like to go even further, I invite you to join my small but mighty community of monthly patrons by making a donation of $10 or more a month In the Wonder Dome, you'll help me keep the lights on, support a wide range of charitable causes, and become part of a private community with access to one-on-one coaching and group experiences. Again, you can learn more all about this at my website, mindfulcreative.coach backslash the Wonder Dome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Here's to the next two years and the next 100 conversations. May you go well and go bravely into whatever life has in store for you and be good to each other out there with love. All right. Wow. I am sitting here in the presence of the fact that this is my hundredth episode of the Wonder Dome. And it has been such a freaking cool, beautiful experience to have a hundred conversations. Well, 99, number 100 is right here. You're about to hear it with an incredible, diverse, beautiful assortment of human beings working, living, being at the frontier of what's possible for us as a species, as a society, as individuals. Todd Marston, my guest today, was the very first interview on the Wonder Dome. He was the person who I went to and said, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm a little scared, a little weird. It could be a hot mess. I'm going to do it with you. And if it's terrible, then at least we got to hang out for an hour and I don't have to share it with anyone. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. At least he and I didn't think so. And uh, here we are a hundred episodes later and more than 10,000 people have tuned in. So I guess other folks have felt the same, that there's something about this space, this modest, humble, yet beautiful, expansive wonder dome that's worth spending time in. And in a really lovely and generous gesture, gesture Todd reached out to me and said, hey, uh, for your 100th episode, I want to interview you. And I thought that was pretty sweet. So what follows is Todd's playful dance with me around what I've learned about having these conversations. And he alludes to his own podcast, Lessons from My Teachers, which you can find on his Patreon page, Todd Marston Music. I highly recommend you listen to his music. I highly recommend you listen to his podcast. I'm biased, yes, because he interviewed me twice over there. Um, but it is a really, he's a really talented and beautiful artist who is bringing his heart and soul to the questions of how art enlivens us and makes new worlds possible and makes new possibilities possible. And he brings that playfulness and that artistic spirit to his interview with me today. So this is a really fun one. This is a great way to kick to to mark a hundred episodes and I'm really excited to share with you. Why don't we go ahead and get settled in? <sighs> and let's hear what comes out of this conversation with me and Todd Marston. Todd, mother truck and Marston. <laughs> Hi. Yo. <laughs> wow. Jeez. We did this a uh, hundred episodes ago. You and I got together in the Wonder Dome for the inaugural episode. And uh, here we are again. Yes, you've indeed. Been, you've man. invited me to start by leading you and I and anyone who's listening in a meditation, which feels really fun because I usually do that with my guests before I start recording as a way to 
cultivate the conversational space. Mm. The fun thing that we're going to do today is you're going to interview me, which feels mm -hmm. kind of like a little exposing and exciting. And when you're like, hey, you should do your meditation like you always do, but we'll record it this time. I was like, oh, okay. We're going to just, we're going to kind of like open, open the, the door on the inner workings of the Wonder Dome a bit. And uh, we'll start right here with the meditation. Yes. <sighs> so I invite you to close your eyes or simply find a point of focus. And if you're hearing this recording at whatever point in your life and time that you're hearing it, I invite you to do the same. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. <laughs> Otherwise, softening your attention. And as you do, also inviting your body to soften, to relax. Noticing if any muscles are tensed or contracted that don't need to be. Making any movements or adjustments that help those muscles relax. You could check in with your forehead, around your eyes, your jaw, your shoulders and upper back, your arms and hands, your belly, your lower back, passing through your midline, down your legs, even your toes. Anywhere where you're clenched or tensed that you don't need to be, the invitation is for those muscles to soften. If they do, that's brilliant. If not, there's nothing you need to do. This is not a demand, simply an invitation. And the invitation stands. Either way, you've got what you've got. Right here. Right here. And it's from right here that we can take three deep breaths together. Big deep breath in through your nose. Big sigh out. <sighs> Settling your nervous system. Another deep breath in. Exhale out. <sighs> Grounding. And one more, maybe your deepest breath yet today. Filling your lungs. Then exhaling every last drop. arriving in this moment. And at some point, air will naturally come back into your lungs and you can let yourself settle into whatever breathing rhythm feels good for you. Breathing as deeply and as slowly as you need to. And Todd, you and I don't know who this conversation is going to reach. You and I are here for each other, and that's enough, and that's beautiful. But we're also pressing record, and like a stone thrown into water, we're going to cast this recording out, and it's going to ripple out to friends and family and loved ones, to students and clients and colleagues and listeners of your music 
and to their friends and family and loved ones and colleagues. I like to imagine that each one of these conversations is a tiny node in a vast network of connectedness. And that in a way, every single one of those people are here with us right now. So if you're listening to this recording, welcome. So good to have you here with me and with Todd for the hundredth episode of the Wonder Dome. We'll breathe together for a few breaths. And then finally, I invite each of us, me, you, and whoever's hearing this, to connect to whatever spark of possibility or intention or purpose or curiosity got you to this moment right here, to this conversation right here. And that may be crystal clear or only the vaguest felt sense. Whatever you're aware of, breathing with that for a few more breaths. And then... Taking one more big deep breath in, big sigh out, and casting that intention, that possibility, that purpose into our shared space, letting it ripple. Then at your own pace and in your own way, coming in, opening eyes, and here we are. Thanks for that. That's the way, that's the way it must begin. (laughs) Oh man. Wow. Yeah. The, um, the, that point you made about whoever is listening is here with us is really powerful. Yeah. It's a, it's a subtle and very powerful, um, yeah, it just, it really hit me. Mm. You know, we live in a culture that doesn't, I'm not sure if it doesn't care or if it actively doesn't want, or if it simply doesn't know how, but this dominant culture, this consumer capitalist culture that we live in seems to function and thrive at a macro level by isolating us and keeping us Mm. apart and Mm. by driving spaces between us and separating us and polarizing us. But it's a kind of, it's a kind of illusion. It's a kind of fantasy. It's a sort of Mm. mass mesmerizing reality. That's not actually true. Mm. 
Mm. So when I invoke that possibility, that, that kind of imaginal reality, in a way I'm trying to invoke something that is more true than what most of us live and believe based on our culture and our context. Yeah. So I'm glad it touched you. It helps me, helps remind me why I sit here in front of my computer looking at someone on a two-dimensional screen, you know, a representation of them and have deep conversations because it's as much for me and for you as it is for anyone else who might hear this record at some point. Right. Yeah. There's a whole, that's, that's a whole podcast episode right there. That is, yeah. Unwind <laughs> that man. Amazing. But I feel like that's, that's one of the things, um, an overarching theme actually is like the abundance of, of life to discover. It was, so I was listening to our, the two episodes uh, of my podcast that I had you on and in closing out this just nine episode season, uh, I felt like I was able to get to a, a real end point with, with like what I was, what I was wanting to achieve and it was this sense of abundance, you know, realizing how much there is in life to explore. Hmm. Never you know, a dull moment. And hmm. I used to say to my songwriting students, like, you know, boredom is the gateway to enlightenment. <laughs> yes. But I have a different understanding of that now, which brings this in, which is like, let yourself feel bored and really feel it. And eventually you'll understand like life is not boring. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's nothing actually boring about it. Uh, and so the way that you're uncovering all this possibility is just awesome, man. It's just awesome. Mm. So mm. I think that's a good transition to, um, to first celebrate this achievement that you have sat in front of this computer screen and communicated with over a hundred people uh, and really reached into this vision of yours and had some amazing experiences throughout. And I think really brought a lot of joy and uh, wonder to people's lives. Mm. 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 And I can, I can tell that from conversations with people in, in our men's group and, uh, and your conversations with people who you've had on the show who listen to the show. Hmm. Um, so I think that's the first thing that I'd like to do is just honor you for your achievement and, and for the work that you're doing, which is really powerful and, and uh, impactful in, in your community. Thanks Todd. That's really beautiful, man. I wrote an essay a while back called boredom is the brother of invention. Ah, yeah, necessity yes. is invention's mother. Yes. Boredom is is invention's angsty teenage brother. Yeah, and uh, so I love that you share that with your with your students. And uh, there's this quote from Franz Franz Kafka that I'd like to read. Mm. And um, I wish I could remember what it was from. I'm sure, we can figure that out later. It's it's excerpted from something larger, I believe. But he says. You do not need to leave your room. <laughs> you do not need to leave your room. Remain sitting at your table and listen. 
remain sitting at your table and listen. (laughs) Do not even listen. Simply wait. Be quiet, still, and solitary. Do not even listen. The world will will freely offer itself to you to be unmasked. It has no choice. It will roll in ecstasy at your feet. Yeah, you know, as, as you're speaking, I'm hearing that we are the world. <laughs> like yeah. you're playing behind you. <laughs> that might not be appropriate. Uh, I don't know. You know, the way in which it's all appropriate if we have the right context. Yes. Yes. But thank you. Thank you for honoring this, uh, this expression of possibility and purpose that the Wonder Dome is. And, uh, you know, you played such a large part in helping it come to be as my, you know, my music teacher so many years ago who believed in me, despite all the voices in my head that said I didn't have enough talent or, Hmm. you know, wasn't good enough or smart enough or, or hadn't studied enough. And, uh, and also as my first guest, episode one, when I knew I was going to do this thing, but it was a bit scary and a bit uncertain. And I said, who, who would I love to just talk to for an hour and, and press record. And if it's a hot mess, it won't even matter because then at least I got to hang out with him for an hour. And it was you, it was, you know, my, my dear friend and teacher and mentor and, you know, one of my co-conspirators in possibility. And, and just by the way, the word conspiracy, which is like, whew, is a word yeah. that has a lot of baggage in our culture right now. Cause people are, a number of people are ensnared in a lot of fantasies about how mm. our world works, but actually it comes from the Latin root conspira, spira, like to breathe. So conspira is to breathe together. Mm. Mm. That's the root of the word conspiracy, which is simply the same root as the word inspiration. Mm. You know, this to this power of breath and life. And you were talking a few minutes ago about abundance and life. And it just, that's the, that's one thing this show has helped me really get in contact with, or this, this show doesn't really feel like the right word for it, but this experience of the Wonder Dome has helped me get in contact with is that kind of like fundamental abundance of, of life breathing everything. Man, there's just so many things that I want to talk about with you. (laughs) When um, I, I want to catch one thing that I feel like is really significant um, that came up during the meditation too, which um, I was, I had a flashback to kindergarten and I was thinking about, um, you know, when we're kids and we play make-believe, there's this real effortless back and forth, give and take who wears the leader hat, you know, mm. and what makes the game fun is this sense of inclusion and sense of, you know, we're all playing together, you know, and when, when you hear that invitation, you know, will you come and, you know, do you want to play with me? What that means is like, we're going to, we're going to trade back and forth this hat, or at least, at least in my experience, uh, if there was this dominance and the one person was, the only one who is doing the make-believe and like ordering everybody around, that's going to have this kind of limitation to it. Right. Yeah. 
but I just, I think that the, that's something to strive for is like that beauty of, uh, possibility and all we're doing is that, but at a more mature level, sometimes more mature, <laughs> sometimes more mature, level. <laughs> oftentimes not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. James, the philosopher, James P. Carr's called those infinite games. Uh, to be distinguished from finite games. And, you know, there is a real deep evolutionary uh, need that we have, humans have, for um, status and power and dominance. But some people have taken that to be the whole story. And Mm. um, I recently finished this book called Different by the primatologist Franz de Waal. And it's too big to unpack the whole book here. But one of his insights was that a lot of the sort of uh, narratives of social Darwinism, of kind of nature red in tooth and claw, of to the victor go the spoils, actually emerged from some really bad primatological uh, studies done under very extreme conditions where uh, chimpanzees, which are one of our two closest living genetic relatives, were placed in in, uh, very close quarters with a high volume of adult males who are looking to mate and limited amounts of food. And it devolved, this study, the chimps devolved into violence. Mm. And and then the the person behind this this study, I can't remember his name, and I'm glad I can't because he had an agenda. If you ask Jane Goodall about this person, she's like the, he's the one person who will, will piss Jane Goodall off as thinking oh, about this guy wow. who did this study. It, he just said, look, see, this is, this is our closest living genetic relative. Look how violent and how much status and power is in our nature. This is who we are. Mm. But, but what you're pointing to, which we only simply need to pay attention to see, is that we have so much capacity to play these infinite games where the yeah. point of the game is not to win. Yeah. The point of the game, or, or if we want to use the language of winning, the point of the game is for everyone to win. The yeah. point of the game is to keep the game going. Right, right. <laughs> and and the problem, one of the problems I see us facing as a species is we've been, we have constrained ourselves into this story that that was kind of sold to us, that we live in a finite game world where the point of the game is to win. And and that's really fun if you're watching, you know, a football game or or you know, baseball game or whatever you're into. But it's not really fun when we're talking about like our nation states and our resources and our planet. We're we're right. applying this this the opposite of what you and I do as friends and what what this show is what this this program is about is the space of like what if we all played the infinite game together? What if right. we played the game where we just kept passing the ball to the next generation and the next generation. And gosh, what a world we could live in if that, if everyone were standing in the infinite game instead of the one. Man, I mean, just from my, my personal perspective, I oftentimes tell people that my relationship with you is, it's one of my favorite all time friendships. (laughs) Yes. And so I made the all time list. Um, but it's, it's, it's not because I put you on a pedestal. It's, it's because the relationship that we've developed, which, you know, I think you had the initiative, you, you were the, the leader in getting into the, in the door, you know, um, represents that reality. And to Mm. me, it's just so much fun. So you've, Mm. you've taught me like how much fun we can have when we work towards that 
goal. So that feels like a very core part of who you are, what you represent in my life. Mm. Uh, and so there's a, there's an alignment there that keeps checking out, you know, it's like, uh, like, yes, that is, that is the fundamental truth that, that Andy is, is living. Uh, and it's really powerful, man. Hmm. You know, again, not to put you on a pedestal because that's the pedestal is an illusion. Yes. Yeah. A, 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 a in a precarious one at that. Yeah. But to <laughs> really re reaffirm your practice, you know, Thank and you, that man. it's so that. aligned. Yeah. I really receive that. And I briefly want to speak to sort of that. You're saying I took an action. I, and the action was simply uh, to, well, there were maybe two actions. One, I was going on a trip to China with my dad. For, he was going for business. And then the trip, business trip got canceled. And I already had my visa and my plane tickets. I was like, I'm going. <laughs> and so I asked you if I could come just stay with you. And you're like, and at that point, we were sort of in that friend acquaintance sort of genre that you were pointing to earlier. And uh, and you're like, sure. And And then I had these like 10 days of just kind of being on the balcony as you and your band, the soul casters that you were a part of like just six nights a week played, did incredible renditions of all this popular music that a lot of people would know, but performed it really at an incredibly high level. And at the end of those 10 days, in addition to just all of the beautiful cultural explorations in, in Beijing and beyond, I was struck with how important music was to me and how, frustrated I was that I, uh, felt limited by it. I felt like I, I, and what I started to get in touch with, was just like, I had this story in my head that I wasn't talented enough to be a quote unquote real musician. But then I had another voice in my head going like, but I just fucking love music and mm -hmm. maybe I can't do what they're doing, what Todd's doing, but I want to find a way to do something. So the next move I made was to just say, Todd, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about anything like this, but I want to study with, I want to study music with you. I don't play piano. I play guitar. I'm not interested in learning the piano so much as I'm interested in songwriting and music. And I just want to apprentice to you because I see you as being a really advanced musician and you kind of are like, okay, let's try it. And that, and that sort of, I think was the real beginning of what you're describing as this kind of passing of power and, and energy and possibility between us over the past, I mean, I don't know, what has it been a decade or more? Hmm. Well, that trip would have been in 2011. Yeah. So, so like a decade. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that actually kind of speaks to one of the things I, I want to say about doing the show, which is there's power in, there's power in beginning a thing, even if you don't know where it's going to lead. Mm. There's power in making bold invitations. There's mm. power in, in inviting other people to play with you, to use the yeah. that you and I. Yeah. And, and, you know, people have all sorts of reasons, some of them very good, some of them maybe kind of just in their head about why they would say no to that invitation. And if you had said no to me, I probably would have been sad and, and we still maybe something else would have formed or whatever, but... You know, there's lots of, I've invited lots of people to the Wonder Dome who have said no or have ignored my invitation. Mm. But it's, but the fact that I can be in a space where I'm constantly inviting is really awesome. And 
you know, maybe the first step of anything is to invite yourself to play with something like, okay, I'm going to try this podcast thing. And I'm going to invite Todd to play with me in the first episode and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, there is power in that beginning and that invitation that is now unfolding a hundred episodes later. I've talked to people who I've, who, whose work has transformed my life well before I ever got the chance to talk to them. And now folks like Parker Palmer who have come on the show and I'm just kind of like sitting, part of me sitting there wide-eyed like a, like a fanboy going like, I can't believe I get to talk to Parker Palmer. And then also like, mm. I'm talking to Parker. I'm here with you, Parker. And that sort of both end is wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't extended you that initial invitation all those years. Wow. Ago. <laughs> you know? And what a beautiful interview that one was. That's one of my favorites. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. It's hard to limit. It's hard for me to pick a favorite, but uh, Parker's a big one. Stephen Cope's a big one. Some of these kind of elder mentors who, right, right, work uh, was shaping me uh, when I really needed it. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I've, I've realized from reviewing our episodes that the the really the main purpose for me of doing my podcast is to have to have these conversations on record to go back to and mm. be reminded of, mm. of these people in a really mm. beautiful way. Mm. Um, I do want to, I do want to ask you some questions. I feel like the uh, there's, there's a little bit of a, of a, a game here that I've, I've established. Um, speaking of games. Yeah. Speaking of games. Um, so I was thinking about what you've shared with me about internal family systems yeah. And this idea of passing, you know, or wearing different hats. And so I listed 12 hats that I know you wear, you know, and I'm sure there are unlimited numbers, right. That we can get into when we start talking about like the subtlety of life, but uh, these kind of 12 distilled roles that you play, and I thought it would be fun to basically toss them all in a hat and randomly pick out one and then reflect on it. So in relationship to the process that you've brought yourself through with hosting a hundred interviews and learning from all these different people and going through, uh, going through growth. So this is obviously not a sound scientific experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's, it's not just cool though. I love that you came in with this creativity. I'd never, a part of me is like, how can I, how can I do something like this for, an, uh, you know, with other guests on the show? It's just such a creative uh, interview practice. So thank you. Yeah, I'm down to play and science, science be, we can set science aside for a moment and just, change. yeah. <laughs> well, I thought, it, I thought it worth it. Cause uh, you know, then lighten, lighten your load a little bit in terms of, uh, reining me in. Cause you know how I go all over the place. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? No, I've never experienced that once. Never. <laughs> <laughs> and you make space for that, which is really fun. You know, that's, uh, Oh, I, I'm reminded of our, I think I called it physical problem solving <laughs> where yeah. we, we go out to the woods. It's gotta have a better name than that. But, uh, but yeah, we'd go out into the woods and just climb trees and like find little puzzles to get yeah, into yeah. climbing. Well, and like the idea was like, how do we get from point A to point B, not just across ground, but also in vertical space. And so it is, it was a kind of like problem solving game, very, a very 
fun other yeah. rabbit hole we could go down about the the beauty of the human body as a sort of instrument for learning and creativity and discovery. Yeah. Whole other, whole other topic. That's a whole nother podcast that we got. We have about five already that we need to do it. So. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to pull out uh, a, a, a card from the hat and see, see what role I, I pull out here. So, and I'll, okay. Wow. Right off the, right out of the gates. How has this process of interviewing a hundred well, I guess more than a hundred people because some of the episodes have had multiple people. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also recorded some that I haven't released yet, but yeah, like a hundred plus. Yeah. So uh, going through this massive process, how has that affected your, um, your identity or uh, your growth as a husband? Oh, you're going right for it. Number Dang, one. Man, number one. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, let me sit with that for a minute. How mm. has this process of the Wonder Dome impacted my identity or the way I play, like I show up as a husband? Is that the question? Yeah. 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 Well, the the thing that immediately comes into my awareness is listening. Mm -hmm. And um, any relational expert will tell you that if you don't know how to pay attention and listen in your relationship, you're in, you're in for a world of hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and as a professional coach and as someone who likes to solve and ask questions, like there are ways in which that has served me, but there's also ways in which I'm not always actually have, am not, and have not always been fully present with my partner. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, uh, that kind of subtle agenda of, I'm going to fix this, or I'm going to fix you, or I'm going to change things, or I'm going to make things better, or I'm going to make you more like me. All of that stuff that we can do in relationships uh, that are so nefarious and damaging. I think I'm in touch with like my capacity to be present with another human being mm. has enabled me in a time of pandemic and a time of parenting and a time of a number of transitions that I don't, I don't have the space to get into here that have not always been easy for my partner. I has been enabled me to like remember and anchor in the beauty of this human being who I share physical, mental and emotional space with and mm. be present to them when, you know, when she's in pain or when she has a different point of view or when she, is happy. And it's uh, pretty special. I'm thinking of just an example the other night where, where there's kind of this family thing going on and, you know, I could see she was holding a lot of con conflicting feelings about this family thing. And then she was also being hard on herself for like having conflicting feelings as if there should be one easy answer to this really complex family issue. And I just, hmm. you know, in the past I would have, or in other instances, I've had moments where I'd go into the issue and be like, well, what if you try this? And what if you do that? And this the other night, it, it was really sweet. It was just sort of like, oh, God, yeah, like that sounds fucking hard. Mm. And it also sounds like you're being really hard on yourself for it being hard. And she was like, yeah. I was like, I love you. I really, I like wish it were easier, but, and I really wish and I hope that you see, you don't have to be so hard on yourself because it's a really hard situation. And it just like, things just kind of softened and 
we were laughing in a few minutes after that. And it was just, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. so that's something about this capacity to stay connected to the human who is my partner, as opposed to, you know, when you're with someone for, we've been together for, depending on how you slice it over 20 years. And when you're with someone that's that long, you can really start to put them into a category or a box right, or a story right. and, and, some of the early years, the Greeks have these seven words for love. I can't remember all seven, but the one that we have one love, the word for love in, in American <laughs> English is love, but wow. the Greeks have seven words. And one of the words is eros, which is the kind of love that is most present in movies and film and in an early in a relationship when there's all this chemistry and heat. But there's another kind of love, I think it's called storge, which is the kind of love that, that only is possible over time and commitment mm. and mm. uh and you know just deep access to that storge love that capacity to be deeply connected to her as a person mm. even now 20 years in is uh it's a work it's a process and it's a beautiful one and and i sense that the wonder dome has helped help me with that wow that's cool man yeah. So would you say that part of that is the practice? So I'm, I guess I'm, I'm thinking there's the practice of listening and then there's also the, the experience of really getting to connect with such a large number of varying people, like people that are very unique, um, or any, any other, or is it, is it primarily those two aspects or hmm. any other aspect? that I'm missing. You know, for some reason I'm, I'm actually in touch with the potential, we might call it the shadow side of all of this diversity of connection in, in that, um, uh, I'm on a sort of journey that my partner is not on with me. The cool thing is she can come and listen to these. So, so there have been times when, you know, she can listen into a conversation I've had when she has the time and energy to do so. And um, by the way, I'm not saying like, you better listen to my new podcast, babe. (laughs) You know, like sort of giving her that space to engage in however she wants to engage. But there is a sort of question mark for me, which I think maybe, maybe you can relate to, maybe lots of people can relate to, which is the tension between our, our personal journey and our shared journey. And, Mm. um, and so in a way, uh, if I could, a part of me that wants everything to be perfect and harmonious would just sort of like somehow transmit everything I've heard and felt and seen in these hundred plus conversations directly into, into my partner's kind of essence so that we could just share it on that level. You want to share everything. Yeah. But, but the truth is that that's not possible. So it, it kind of brings in a question of also what, what is it? what is this process asking of me in terms of my, my partnership with her? How, how, how can or should I show up as a husband who's, who has experiences that she doesn't have and that she has experiences that I don't have? How do we, Mm. how do we, what's the sort of space in there that we can consciously enter into together and, and find each other in the moment now who we are now. Mm. And that's not always easy. Um, so that, that is a bit of a, maybe the shadow side of all this is like, 
deep listening, access to many viewpoints, many of which are either explicitly or implicitly about how we relate with each other. I mean, that's a big theme of the Wonder Dome is the interconnectedness of us all and the relationality mm. of us all. Mm. Um, but then that kind of like way in which we also are each universe is unto ourselves. And when you're in a deep committed relationship, there's work to do to keep those mm. universes kind of um, connected and interfacing. Well, and isn't, isn't part of what, what makes it exciting is the honor and respect that we give to the other as being their own universe. Mm. Mm. Right. Mm. Like, like, no, I don't know you. I don't know everything about yeah. you. I can't put you in yeah. a box, right? Yeah. Like blast those boxes open and just allow your partner to be who they are. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be really a wild ride, right? Mm. You're going to, you're going to get to learn from each other and, and, and then reaffirm that you want to be together and be on this journey, this shared journey. Not, but I, I think it's also worth noting. It's really sweet the the wanting to share everything with yeah. someone. I think that's a really beautiful. Uh, yeah, there's a sweetness to it, and there's also a kind of a um, a kind of attachment that can produce suffering. You know, that there's a sort of like I have to get in touch with that that desire mm. to share all and realize that that's not the work. And right. The work is, right really back to like the, is ultimately back to presence. I mean, the, uh, the, there is a couple who are experts in, in sort of relationship, uh, sort of flourishing romantic relationships, John and Julie Gottman. And maybe one day I'll invite them, hopefully get them to the wonder dome, but they talk about sort of, there are like four things that you can do in a relationship that are pretty much guaranteed to, to make it not work. And I wish I could remember all four, but, uh, one of the worst things you can do is, um, you know, either in dominate the other person to try and make them more like you or more like how you mm. want them to be. That's mm. one, one of the four things that's like, mm -hmm. that's a sign that that relationship is not healthy and it's not going to go well. And the other thing, another thing they talk about is, is to ignore bid, what they call bids for connection. Oh, right. right. Like when someone just, even something as simple as like a question about, you know, Hey, like, how was your day today? If that question is received as like, yeah, it was fine. And then you're on to the next thing. Um, that, that kind of question is actually a bid for intimacy that we're all always making with each other. And, and so to sort of try and just the work is to just be present to those moments where you can share experience right? and accept that you won't always be sharing, but but it's possible and that intimacy is possible at any moment in a relationship, even when you have multiple kids in the midst of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull another card here. Okay. This is fun. Um, I'll be so curious by the way to hear if she listens to this, I'll be curious to see like, is she going to go, what the F are you talking about? Or like, <laughs> I asked you how you were doing the other day and you were a jerk to me, you know, like there's so, <laughs> Shit. okay, good. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah I, I can't picture, I picturing Erica <laughs> saying those exact words is actually making me crack up. <laughs> um, all right. How has the wonder dome podcast affected you as a musician? Oh, Hmm. 
Well, you know, my musician identity has, um, compared to when you and I were really in the thick of things of, of my apprenticeship and writing music and recording music, it has, uh, in the midst of becoming a father and, um, changing careers into coaching and leadership development and starting this podcast, it's definitely, it's definitely moved further back. Um, but I, but the thing I'm in touch with is the way in which I'm, I'm much more at peace with that than I might've been. Like there was something, there was something almost like life or death about our work in a way at the risk of being too, uh, too dramatic but I was in a profession professionally. I was in a really unhappy place when you and I started working together and mm. y- your teaching and our w- musical work became an anchor. It became a kind of way of expressing truth and possibility and a way of healing that uh, I didn't have access to in any other context and art. I think art, art in general has that capacity, whether you're making it or simply engaging with it. You know, I'm I'm sure almost anyone hearing this can think of a song that they needed to hear at a moment in their life where they were grieving or hurting or um, had lost something or someone. Music has this incredible effect. And I I found that to be even more true in a way as a songwriter to, to create music that spoke to loss and grief and joy and all of these deep human capacities that we have these days it's a sort of just a simply a permission to listen to a sound or a melody that might be coming through or to pick up my guitar for 20 minutes after the kids are asleep and strum a couple chords and see what's there and and then just sort of the beautiful thing is like almost without me efforting too hard over the past five years, like a about once a year, maybe a, a song kind of kind of kind of sort of uh, just kind of like leaks out of that. And suddenly, because I've been playing here and there, I have a new song. And, and usually that song has a real I, as I look at it and listen, to it, oh, this is what that song's about. You know, after my son was was born, there's a song I finished recently. And I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm writing that. I was writing this for him, and mm-hmm. that's just that's really powerful." So, mm. you're the how does that connect to the podcast? I'm not entirely sure, other than this instinct that we all have the capacity to make the very things we most need to hear or feel in our lives. Mm. Mm. So in a way, each and every one of these conversations is at their best a, a thing that I really need to hear or say. Yes. And each song is a, an expression of a thing I really need to feel or listen to. And uh, that that's really special because now it's no longer about, will other people like this? Wow. Great if they do. But it's actually anchored in this deeply cathartic, deeply personal, yeah, you know, very intimate space of self-knowing and self-creation and self-healing, and and then maybe even intergenerational. You know, like a song for my son. One day he might hear that song. One day he might play that song. Whoa, mm. that's pretty mm. fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm really tempted to go down the. I, I, 
I kind of want to ask you to tell the story of when you went to Ireland. Um, cause I tell this story to people all the time. <laughs> oh, my birthday story. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, I feel like, you know, fuck it. Like we're, yeah. you know, here's would, okay. Yeah. This is, this is a cool story. This was now my wife and I got married. Actually our, our 10 year anniversary is coming up this fall, 2022. And, um, we have our third and and definitely final tiny human arriving right around the time of our tenth anniversary. So we initially Wait, what? Like, yeah. Do you not know this? Yes. No. I, well, now I know this. Now you know it. Yes. <laughs> That's another story that maybe maybe I'll t- tell you offline. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Our third and definitely final tiny human is coming. Um, and we had this story before we wow. knew that we were going to have three kids, which was not our plan. And um, I don't know that I want to get into how we got there right now on, on record, but that's where we are. And it's <laughs> like, I'll tell you what, like I am white knuckled. I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, here we go. Wow. But, but before we knew that, we said, okay, at our 10 year anniversary, we're going to do something really special. So now we'll do it at our, our 11th or our 12th or 13th anniversary, like whatever. You'll do it when you do it. But, um, but for our honeymoon, um, after we got married, we went to Ireland and, uh, that was really special. And we kind of like, I think we were thinking like, maybe we'll recreate that or, you know, we'll do another version of that, um, which is not going to happen with a newborn, but we'll do something. And, and, but in Ireland we went and it was a right around my birthday, which is an end her birthday. We're, we're a week apart. Exactly. Our birthdays are a week apart. And our wedding was shortly, like, just a, just like 10 days after her birthday. Um, so it's all kind of like anniversary and birthdays are all clustered really close together. And uh, we ended up in, in Ireland and this bar called uh, Tig Bricks, which is just basically like, you know, Bricks Pub, like literally like a brick, like a brick layer, you know. And, uh, and it was on uh, this peninsula on the southwest coast of Ireland. And, and this bar was not in the like town. It was kind of like you had to sort of drive the peninsula had like a loop road. So you could go all the way out to the tip of the peninsula and all the way back to the mainland. And it was just this one road. And along the way, there are all these little side roads. And, and, and on one of these little side roads was this bar, Tick Bricks. And we had gotten there because, um, we were in another town that we were leaving. And as we were leaving, they're like, Oh, you're not going to stay. We're having a, a, a local beer festival. We're like, oh, that sounds awesome. But no, we're going to this next place. And they're like, all right, well, go to this bar because they brew their own beer. And so you, at least you can get a little taste of some local beer. And uh, so we we went there and we arrived early. It was like 4.30 or 5 p.m. local time. And the bar was was empty pretty much. There was the bartender. There was an older guy named Fergus sitting at the bar, like totally true, sweetest old Irish guy you could meet just eat immediately chatting us up. Like we were old friends and, um, you know, by, by like, so we're sitting there and over time, the bar just gets fuller and fuller. And it's, and by the way, it's my birthday. It's on my birthday. Mm-hmm. So this was like, so I'm like, okay, bar gets fuller and fuller. There's noise. Now people are talking. We're, we're enjoying the local beer. We get some food. We're just hanging out. It's like a great Irish pub experience. And suddenly a woman stands up and starts singing in Welsh. And if you've never heard the Welsh language, it just is otherworldly. And her voice was otherworldly. And the whole bar instantly went silent. And everyone turned and listened to this woman sing. 
And I don't know what she was singing about because I don't speak Welsh, but it was heartachingly beautiful. Mm. And like Eric and I look at each other, what's going on? And she stops singing, everyone cheers, and then back to like the bustle and din. And then at some point, someone else stands up and starts playing a song. And then someone else. And sometimes there's instruments and sometimes there's just singing. And like, we're like, what's the deal? So we talk to the bartender and he says, oh yeah, this is, um, this is an annual family reunion of all of these relatives who live all over, um, all over Ireland, Wales, Britain, Scotland, and beyond. And once a year they gather at this pub for a family reunion. <laughs> and this year it was my birthday. And at some point, you know, it became clear that we were the only people at the pub who were not there for the family reunion. Everyone out, like we're talking a hundred people were there for this reunion and everyone's just like, so what's your story? Why are you here? And at some point someone says, well, do you want to play a song? <laughs> and I was like, what? So another younger guy around my age who had just like played a song was like, here, you take, take my guitar, play something. And, you know, my heart was beating like a mile a minute. I was really nervous. But because of the work that you and I had done, I had some songs to play. And I played um, a song that was essentially about, you know, this idea of we're like still standing in the, in the wake of all that we mm. face, we're still standing. And uh, hmm. it was just, I mean, it was just one of these magic moments. I'll never forget it. And it was in that moment. So I played the song. There was that moment of quiet. Everyone cheered and then back into the talking again. And then someone else, like I, it was just, I was just part of the fabric, this tapestry of humans who identified each other as family and who were willing to share space and mm. invite others to play. Mm. That, uh, that, moment for us, for my wife and I, for me as a musician, for me as a creator was another one of those moments that, that planted the seed of show up, pay attention, listen to possibility, follow it, see where it leads you. And you never know where, where you're going to end up or who, you, who wow. you'll end up with. Man, it's so, it's so beautiful, man. Thanks for, for sharing that. I, it's something tells me that's like a really cool thing to to share with your audience here, you know? Mm. Mm. Um, but it, there, as, you, as I'm hearing you tell it, I'm, I'm hearing it from a different angle, which I guess it's coming from kind of like a Castaneda or Paulo Colo kind of angle of like, like you were preparing. That was like a rite of passage. That was you preparing for being ready for that. Not just having a song to sing, but like, going through the work to get to that point internally where you could present it that's honorably. A really, that's a really, yeah, man, that really resonates. Um, there's this way in which we can embrace life with the possibility that it is more than just a random assortment of somewhat causally related events. And the beauty of making that embrace, regardless of, of how quote unquote true or not it is. And, and I don't know, I don't know that I want or have time or inclination to like get into the philosophical debate of it's the truthness of it. 
but the experiential truth of it, that there are moments in your life that have yet to happen. You don't know what they're going to be. You don't know who's going to be there. But you do know that right now, you are, whatever that moment will be, is an extension of whatever you're doing with your life right now at this minute, this moment. Mm. (laughs) And the willingness to show up to something because it moves something in you, because it makes you feel something, because you need it. If you didn't have it, your life would be emptier, you know? And so that was like, I'm going to show up for this, this music studies with Todd because I just feel like I need it. To then have this moment where if I hadn't listened to that call, maybe Eric and I would have been in Ireland. Maybe we would have ended up at that pub. And if we had, I would have simply been a spectator. And mm. that would have been enough. Fine. But the, uh, because I was listening to a call, suddenly here was a chance to answer. Mm. And mm. that was a kind of rite of passage. That was a kind of like spiritual moment of look at this incredible, this incredible interconnected series of of events and happenings and choices and commitments that allowed for this magic. Right. This kind of magic. And that just isn't possible if you live life with the sort of belief that it's just about surviving and sort of performing some version of you that you think other people will will like and kind of snacking on information without ever going deep into anything like that's, there's no magic in the sort of life that the, our dominant kind of consumer capitalist culture gives just hands to us on the platter. It's a very easy life, but there's no magic in it. And so, yeah, there's a kind of, I want to live in the possibility that there's sacredness and magic to be found in every corner of our lives. And the path towards that is by making a commitment to something that feels both scary and beautiful all at once. Mm. Man, it's amazing. And I feel like this is a good opportunity for a little, for a layup where we're, we're, we're working towards, (laughs) we're working towards that, you know, we're past the halfway mark. Uh, and getting down towards the, the exciting kind of, uh, (laughs) that moment, man, I don't know sports enough to like be able to give good sports analogies, (laughs) but I'm just thinking, you know, um, one of the main questions I wanted to ask you because you started your podcast with this, this theme of what's your fiercest hope for humanity. Mm. Mm. And I feel like this is a good time to ask you how that has evolved over the course of the hundred episodes. And maybe, maybe that leads to, you know, what comes next for you? What, what's, uh, what's brewing for you? Mm. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Thank you. What is the, and a part of me is like, what's the right metaphor? It's like, you know, that, that last shot before the clock countdowns. All right, we got it. We got to get the, <laughs> but I, I'm terrible at sports metaphors too. So this is like a whole hysterical, you know, a couple of like 
a couple of like music philosophy nerds trying to make sports analysis. Yeah. Well, and we still is have a, like is a 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, we still got at least like around <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes to go. So this is more like towards the end of the game. Yeah. We're like, we're like huddled around and we're like coming up with like the, the last play. Okay. Shit. Yeah, we yeah. got to stop with this. This yeah, is <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> oh, so good. It's so good. Um, <laughs> My, you know, the, there's this, I haven't quite found the language for it yet, but the language I have right now is the language of what I might call conscious imagination. Mm. So all of us, all of the time are living to some degree inside of a fantasy, you know, and I was kind of talking about this earlier, the kind of conspiracy, like conspiracy theories are a kind of fantasy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, celebrity culture is a kind of fantasy. The, mm. you know, um, like walking into a room and seeing a beautiful person and imagining that they're going to love you and see you, imagining you're the sexiest person in the room or the, or the toughest person in the room or the smartest person in the room. There's all these sort of fantasies that we, that we unspool or, or the argument you got in and the thing you wish you said that you think of, you know, 10, like 10 hours later, you're like, Oh, I should have said that, you know, like all of these, <laughs> all these sort of little acts of, of fantastical creation that we are always in. Mm -hmm. And we, and we live inside those fantasies as if they're reality, mm. but they're not actually reality. They, they are, are um, what some Zen practitioners call conceptual overlay. Where, where we take reality and we overlay it with concepts, concepts about what beauty is or what strength is or what victory is or, or what happiness is. And uh, that conceptual overlay is a kind of act of imagination, but it's unconscious. And so I mm. use the word fantasy here. Like we're all kind of caught up in these fantasies and sometimes they overlap and they're collective and other times they're individualistic and part of our own little universe. And most of the time they're harmless. You know, the, maybe the most harmless version of this is a kind of daydreaming. And at their worst case, they produce wicked, violent, real world outputs because mm. we believe that someone is a, is a devil or we believe that there's no meaning to the universe or whatever other, whatever fantasy we're caught up in. And we enact terrible harm on one another because we don't actually see the humanity of each wow. other. So, so my, my hope for humanity is that we start to harness our imaginative powers, imagination, and consciously work with them to see that our imagination can in fact put us closer in touch with reality. And that in a sense was what I was trying to do when I evoked the presence of everyone hearing this. In a way, they are all here with us now, but we can only be in touch with that if we imagine it. Mm. Mm. And, uh, and the same way, like you and I are with each other right now, but if we tap into our imagination, we can actually begin to see the reason we're with each other right now is because we are each in our own bodies, in our own spaces. And there's some series of satellites and, uh, and, long underground cables and above ground cabling and servers, server farms located in, in certain places and uh, people who are writing code and, 
you know, our imagination can start to help us get in touch with the incredible amount of complexity involved with this technology that allows you and I to sit with each other, even though we are, I don't know how far it is from Boston to Oregon, but you know, whatever, 3,500 miles apart, we can start to use our conscious imagination to work with that reality. And then we could go, we could start to imagine like, what if, what if we built a different infrastructure? What if we, there was a way for us to connect virtually that didn't, uh, didn't necessarily require so many resources or didn't necessarily require us to, to set up so many cables that like produce all this, this output and this, uh, this energy. And, you know, there's some evidence that, that like, if you live near electric cables that can have a negative impact on your health over time, whatever, like we can sort of go down every, any rabbit hole and see that if we're conscious of what we're doing, we can create tremendous, almost miraculous possibility in our lives. Mm. So, so using our conscious imagination, we could just, I mean, maybe we should even try it right now. Maybe I could, I could lead us through a brief sort of imaginative exercise. I love it. Hell yeah. Okay. And this is also for anyone who's listening in right now. Take a moment again to get into your body. Notice that even with your eyes closed, you can see your body. This is part of your imaginative capacity. You can, you can see your hands resting in your lap and you can see yourself sitting in your chair. And it may not be a one-to-one picture perfect with lots of evidence that we have distorted pictures of ourselves in our minds, but we do have this capacity to see our body and feel our body. So already we're engaging in an imaginative act. So let yourself make any movements or adjustments that you need to be in your body with a little more presence, a little more consciousness. And you can simply begin to breathe more slowly. And as you attend to your breath, imagine your lungs which you have likely seen images of, drawings of, renderings of. You've never actually seen your lungs. But you have some sense of their color and shape and their interiority, that kind of all the little folds and ripples that allow these lungs to absorb oxygen. And see if you can breathe more deeply as you imagine air, which you cannot see, but nevertheless can imagine it coming into your lungs And filling your lungs, which then sends that into your bloodstream, which then pumps through your heart out to every extremity of your body. Notice that you can use your imagination to get in touch with this facet of reality, of the way your body works every moment of every day keep you alive, breathing, heart beating, thinking, feeling. And if you stopped here and ended your practice here, this would be powerful. Consciously imagining what's happening in your body every minute. But we can keep playing. We can extend outward. I saw a cat on screen earlier in your background, Todd, and so it's likely that little life is somewhere near you. Perhaps there are other people in the house. 
Perhaps you live in a neighborhood with other houses nearby. Right now, within a, let's say, a hundred yard radius, there are people eating, sleeping, having sex, fighting. All of them are breathing. All of them, whether they're conscious of it or not, have hearts beating and lungs filling with air and stories and fantasies in their head and pictures and images. And with your conscious imagination, you can presence your neighborhood. And you could presence the houses and the trees and the other animals, including the ones that try to stay out of our sight, the mice and the rabbits, the songbirds. Right now, everything around you is humming, is vibrating, is living. And your imagination allows you to access that and feel it and see it. And we could go further to the whole city of Portland, where you live, to the whole state of Oregon, which of course is someone's imagination drawn on a map. It's actually this landscape, this living ecosystem of mountains and ocean and rainforest and mountaintop. And you could expand outward even more to the continent we're sitting on, the same continent, despite our distance, you and I are sitting on the same continent together, surrounded by hundreds of millions of other people and millions and billions of other living organisms. And you could zoom out even more to see the whole planet. This incredible happening, this process right now on this planet. Volcanoes erupting earth trembling people fighting and dying maybe for something they believe in or maybe for something they've been forced into people being born people hopeful maybe for something that's right there in front of them the little life or maybe for the spirit of their whole nation Every single human possibility, every single sentient possibility, every single ecological possibility that's available on our planet right here, right now is happening right here, right now. And yes, this is something we're imagining. And yes, this is closer to true and closer to reality, maybe only by a percentage point, maybe only by a degree than most of us most of the time are conscious of. So let yourself breathe with that for a few more breaths.
noticing that wherever you sit, you sit or stand on the same planet as every single other living being who has ever lived or is alive right now or who will ever live. And all of us, in a way, are right here, right now. Hmm. When you're ready at your own pace and in your own way, coming back into our shared space. Wow. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for indulging me. That was fun. How was that for you? Uh, I mean, I feel great. I feel excited about life. Um, I definitely don't feel bored. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm also, I'm also conscious of the time because I know that you've got to, you've got to go into your day. And I don't want to make you late. The dad part of my day, actually speaking of putting on hats, hats and rolls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. But I feel like we, we accomplished what we set out to do. And this is great, man. This is so great to spend time with you. Thank you for this wonderfully generous creative invitation, by the way, for those listening in, as we wrap up here, uh, I had this, you'll see, this is my hundredth episode. And, and I've mentioned in the introduction that I have, the next 10 episodes are I'm bringing together past guests for kind of deeper conversation and connection, which is a whole nother possibility I never imagined when I started. But but I've realized that that the Wonderdome is a one small, hum, humble vector of connection for all of these people. And so I have this great set of conversations, many of which I've already recorded. I can't wait to share. And Todd, you were you and I were sort of trying to make that happen. I invited you with with, mm. with one guest, and he couldn't make it work, and then another, and he was going to make it work, but then something happened, and and I was just like, I guess just just me and you, that'll be fun. I'll interview you again, Todd. You know, first guest, hundredth guest, that's cool. And you're like, actually, Andy, why don't why don't I interview you? So I want to mm-hmm. say thank you for. Um, being so playful with this invitation and helping contribute and, and empower and amplify what's possible in this space by showing up in the ways that we've been talking about. So modeling and practicing what you've been preaching is pretty cool. Yeah, man. Well, and I love, I love the, the, the free form, uh, yeah, the freedom to explore with you, you know, and to get into different, different territories because it's all it's all speaking about the same essence you know so yeah thank you man yeah thank you and i want to i feel called to clearly answer that question fiercest hope my fiercest hope is that all of us can more consciously access our imaginative powers to create a more true more beautiful world and i really there are many days where i don't know where i don't believe that's possible but that's my fierce hope and this the wonder dome is a very humble expression of that possibility it's beautiful and i'm so grateful to be able to witness that as you continue to craft it Hmm. love you man love you too 
All right, and love to all of you who may have listened in to this wonderful infinite game that we're playing. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Sirqua, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep this show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.